Hello, hello. Welcome to Anime Ichiban Gumastam's dedicated anime podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Ponte. Joining me this week, as always, is Kyle Rogashone and Mr. Harry Morris. Hey we got y'all. a little pattern going on this uh, this week. We're, we're on a holiday kick, it seems like, at least American holiday kick, because last time we recorded this podcast on Spooky Ween, October 31st, and now we're recording this just before the week of Thanksgiving for America, well, at Halloween least. Halloween, at least, is a little bit more of a global holiday at this point. It, right. It's slowly getting yeah. out there. People like the, the it, pumpkin it aesthetic. So, so, yeah, as, as a British person who doesn't do Thanksgiving, I don't really understand Thanksgiving. Uh, fill me in. What's it all about? It is so, when the pilgrims... That silence, that gap of silence. So, okay, so I, I'm sure Matt had the same education that I did in terms of learning about our U.S. Mm-hmm. history and the way we were taught about it in school. Right. Is that Thanksgiving is to celebrate when the first settlers uh, from England came over to America uh, in New Hampshire, somewhere in New England, uh, settled down so, and... Yeah. Uh, had a wonderful meal with their Native American friends who helped them survive the winter, failing to uh, inform us kids of the generations of genocidal displacement that would happen afterwards. But Thanksgiving is meant Mm. to celebrate that. And I think that there's still like, yeah, it's sticky, but that's, that's the basic gist of it. I think you're you're not alone there because I remember when, when I do history at school, and we'd learn about like British history, it would always be World War Two, <laughs> Because it would be, you know, we were the good guys in that. We were against the Nazis. The Nazis were so clearly bad. So it shows Britain very positively. But all of the horrific atrocities we committed to all sorts of countries around the world for our history, none of that is mentioned. Um, and I think that's a very worrying notion. And it you could argue it breeds a very sort of toxic form of patriotism. That can even warp internationalism. But at so. the very least, uh, it's more, I feel like it's gotten like Christmas where it's at this point for us just kind of divorced from the narrative that we were fed. And honestly, I do just treat yeah. it as like family friend dinner time, yeah. which is still a very positive thing. Same with Christmas. Yeah, Which is not happening for me this year. <laughs> that, that is true, yeah. Thankfully, I do live with a yeah. couple of people, so we'll probably just have that kind of Thanksgiving. What yeah. if, uh, would you want to do like a virtual Thanksgiving, Matt? Oh, yeah, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me. I'm going to be having a sort of uh, Friendsgiving on Discord with some of my nice. friends tonight, in fact. Ah. But, uh, yeah, I... The closest family I have is almost on the opposite end of the country. So they're not oh. flying out to see me. I'm not flying out to see them. So yeah, I'll just be spending it by myself. Uh, try to cook some dishes. It's it's not fun. There's no way to really uh, sugarcoat that. But it is it is what it is. And I'll get to see my family someday mm. on the other end of this tunnel. Oh, dude. Well, if you're feeling rough at any point uh, and you're bored, then like call me or Kyle and we'll have a little anime watching session online. <laughs> so try and cheer you up on lonely Thanksgiving. That sounds like a good plan. But I don't want to make our lovely uh, listeners lonely, though. So, But Kyle, last I talked to you last episode, I asked you what you were watching this season. You were relegated to watching some hardcore trash. Kind <laughs> Because of. that's what you were assigned yeah. for the viewer's guide. Yeah. Have you been able to branch out and explore a little bit? Yeah. Oh, okay. I see where this leading talk. Okay, the so of outside guide? of recording the podcast, I've been uh, keeping Matt updated with uh, my 
deep dive into Higurashi, uh, which I finished up season one. And it is such a good show. It is. I I will say. I'm so glad to hear that. Just to offer as a caveat, it is is an incredibly slow burn. Uh, It's interesting, but it doesn't become engaging until like episode 19 or 18 or so. Uh, if I'm being like, completely like I honest. would say the, like the main emotion that's propelling you through watching the like first two thirds of the first season is like angry confusion. Like you're so angry at how confused you are that you have to keep watching that. That's, it, that's the yeah, feeling it, I got. It, when, it was, was kind of a time. slog. Uh, thankfully I was watching it with a buddy of mine. We got through and it was like each arc in a vacuum is neat enough and you can start to see like what they're kind of doing but it isn't until uh i mean i can't i can't really talk about the show can i because it's such a deliberately <laughs> yeah. paced and written show there's a certain point i'd say yeah, yeah after that first two thirds where you start putting things together um and it opens up your perspective and in the very last like three or four episodes they go from like nine to a 50 out of 10 uh like (laughs) fucking alien invasion fucking just like out of nowhere kind of levels of like weird ass bullshit and it's really well done good weird ass bullshit it is is good weird ass bullshit i I was getting weird ass bullshit but not in a way of like darling and frank's yeah, where it's no. jumping the shark. I, like, it's it's completely out of left field, but in a way that makes you go like, "Oh, that's what they're doing," and it like it fills mm-hmm. in all of the blanks uh, that you had so far. But in doing so, it like reveals a wider picture where there are like five hundred more blanks to fill. Right. Yeah. It, it gives you like one really big revelation that answers like. Basically, all the questions you had up until that point, but then to your, to your, what you said, yeah, it's like okay, but the ramifications of this is huge, yeah, and that's yeah, what the entire second season like, is about. Yeah, my my buddy and I were like completely like we didn't get the impression that it was gonna like the big reveal was gonna be that at all, and that just like got us complete. Like we spent a solid half hour just looking at old episodes to see what we could like dredge up. I, I love hearing that too. What's funny too, Harry, is uh, so Kyle was uh, live blogging his reactions to me, sort of, about things <laughs> that were happening. And uh, he told me how he watched this one arc involving the twins. And in my head, I remember that arc taking place in the second season and what it actually did take place in the first season. So I almost very, I almost spoiled events that take place in the second season, oh, shit. <laughs> thinking that Kyle had uh, seen it already, but fortunately I checked back. And also Kyle, furthermore, didn't realize that there was a second season. I didn't, So he told me he was almost done with Higurashi, yeah. Mm. And so I'm like, oh, wow, so he knows all of this. I almost, like, types, like, what did you think of this part or this part? If if season one is a really slow burn, do you feel that season two really kind of picks up? And and Yeah, because obviously, I mean, I've not seen it, I don't know much about the series, but it sounds like the end of season one, it really gets into its own with its narrative. It really like nails it. So yeah, so, yeah that so just continues I would in say season two. It gives it? me the same satisfaction as like okay, so I've only really played like a couple hours of Danganronpa, but I can see where they're going with it. Um, and it it's like a lot of the same kind of mind game, like where you, 
where the anime or where the story is like three or four steps ahead of you, you think you're catching up. But then when you get there, it's like it turns out it's 50 steps ahead of you. Um, it's it's that kind mm-hmm. of narrative. Uh, so if you've watched stuff mm-hmm. like Kaiji, uh, No Game, No Life, uh, I'd say maybe even like some JoJo stuff, because JoJo likes to like fake you out and trick you out. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that kind of thing. I, yeah. I would have. I I think Higurashi would be up your alley, Harry. I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Keeping I, in mind that it is. It a is. A super I, I think that's that's why that's why I've not jumped into it before because everyone sort of says it's great, but you've got to really stick with it, and that's kind of an instant turnoff where it's like, eh, I don't know. It's not even that um, it's not good. It's just you. You'll be endlessly confused. Yeah, it's a lot right. of confusion yeah. that doesn't really have like it doesn't start to pay off uh until later in the series it's it's like the equivalent of like picking up a fantasy book or a sci-fi book and it's like super heavy on the politics and world building you need to establish everything beforehand before you start getting invested in how things are changing yeah and i think i think what uh carries higurashi's first season as well is despite that confusion like each of the arcs are very self-contained. Mm-hmm. Like they have a start and they have a finish. And like they're very localized stories. Like they're complete. And so you don't feel like you're gypped out of a story. But there are many, many overarching questions that will stick with you for a long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. That you may get like little inklings of like what they mean and what is going on. But it's not until like that final stretch where you really finally get the nails in the heads. I've talked about it before. But the first season of Higurashi is literally called The Questions Arc. And the second season is literally called the answers arc. So <laughs> there's that. I will say it sounds reaching good. I will the end, check out I will say reaching the end of season one has gotten me the most excited I've been for anime in a while. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I do love when you like occasionally find a show where there's like a point where you're hooked. Like a certain episode goes by and you're just like <laughs> fucking hell. And and like at that point you're completely addicted. And I always love that. <laughs> yeah, 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 very much that kind of was thing. That, where, was, like, episode, was episode was three Chomp Chomp? Oh yep, my yep. god! Okay. Mm. Um, whereabouts are you in Dangan Romper, Kyle? Without spoiling anything for people. Oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm not even like still, yeah. super far. I'm still just like I just got done like meeting people and like getting into the dorms, but I'm like already oh, super okay, right, fucking right. on board with it. Just because, uh, yeah, I I really like the stylization. The I really like the art style, but I really like the way that it's been framed as a game. Ultimately, it's just a VN and a point and click, uh, kind of game. But the way it's done mm-hmm. is like it does what very few narrative games do and makes the actual interaction feel fun. It's, it's, snappy. it's super yeah, snappy. It's, it's very super fucking snappy. snappy. Yeah. It, it, so, so the first Danganronpa is really cool, uh, but I'd say maybe a couple of the last cases aren't quite as good. Mm. They're still great, obviously. Danganronpa 2, though, I think is probably the best one throughout. Uh, every case is fantastic and chapter three in Danganronpa 2 is just fucking it fucks you up big time it's really really good mm-hmm. um and then i enjoyed Danganronpa 3 but i didn't think it was quite as strong okay uh but it's still enjoyable it's still fun yeah. but uh it, it's kind of, it's kind of funny to me where Danganronpa 1 and 2 it's it's almost like reverse higurashi to me in a weird way where like i finished the first game of Danganronpa and we got i got to that ending i was like Huh? What? Yeah. But then I played <laughs> Danganronpa 2 and I'm like, oh, okay. I, I, 
I'm in this now. This, mm. this was good. This was good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The, the, en- the ending is always kind of, uh, the first time you get to that ending, you will kind of think, what the fuck? But you start to understand what they're going for with each ending and what they're trying to achieve stylistically. Uh, and it starts to make sense. Uh, and it's, mm. it's, by the time you get to the third game, you're just looking forward to it because you're looking forward to how they're going to do that um, and how they're going to one up the last game. I don't want to spoil anything for you, Kyle, obviously, so I'm trying to be vague. <laughs> I, I so this is what it feels like oh, sh- me and Matt were talking about Hirarashi. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It all comes back around. But uh, Harry, you were talking about how there's like that moment in shows where it's just like, I'm in. And it seems like you've recently had that, or maybe you had that moment a long time yes. ago, but you had another moment of that with Jujutsu I, no Kaisen. I, I, I want to I fucking praise this show. It is so fucking good. It is really, this really good. This is a good. new one, right? It just started um, airing? Yeah, it's currently airing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm re- I'm really enjoying it. I, I knew like pretty much after the first episode, I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. But it, again, it was kind of like the first episode of any shonen where it could very easily be shit or it, it could be good. You don't really know where it's going to go from there. But uh, yeah, I watched the second episode and thought that was cool as well. Third episode, that was cool. Then as I started to get to like the fourth episode, fifth episode, I was like, oh, this is really fucking good, actually. I'm really getting into this. And uh, yeah, the more it goes on, the more I'm just thinking it's incredible. Um, something I loved from the episode that came out yesterday, although it won't be yesterday when listeners hear this, because <laughs> yes, so we're recording this on Saturday and it came out yesterday. Like three Friday. days ago, probably. Yeah, something like that. Um, and this this isn't necessarily like speaking about the show's quality, but I just thought it was really cool. A lot of anime, because it's made in Japan, obviously, which is a little bit more conservative as, as a society, it's very heteronormative with the way it discusses certain things. So not really acknowledging that other sexualities outside of heterosexuality exist. Um, and there was a thing in, in the last episode where this male character said to another male character, what kind of women are you into? If you like guys, that's okay too. And it was a really little thing, but it was just this very quick acknowledgement of like, we understand that not every guy likes women and there are exceptions and, and that's okay. It was just a, like a positive acknowledgement of, of, of gay people existing. And I don't know, I just... I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, but when it's Japanese and a lot of stuff doesn't do that and, and doesn't make that effort, it does stand out. I think the the reason it's a big deal is because it didn't make a big deal out of it. When yeah, you sent totally. me that clip, it, like, they, he just nonchalantly drops that line. There's no attention yeah. drawn to it whatsoever. There's no like crazy sound effects or camera effects <laughs> or anything. It's like, it's like, yeah, if you like guys too, that's totally fine. Moving on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like, a, wait a minute, did I read that? And you like yank it back. And a so, really healthy, yeah. chill normalization of something. That, mm-hmm. that's just putting it into equal uh equal conversation with other sexualities and and yeah mm-hmm. so it's really good um but outside of that the show's just fucking awesome it's so so entertaining um yeah i'd really recommend it i think we're on like episode seven episode eight like around there and uh yeah it just continuously gets more interesting what so like i've only outside the video you sent me i've only seen the uh cover art in like vague like musings here and there but it is would you describe it as a dark show it yeah this is what's quite interesting it is significantly darker than other shonens because a lot of it is about like you know demons and monsters and all this sort of stuff um Ooh. right and turning like your trauma into your there's there's one particular oh, scene i don't want to spoil i don't want to spoil too much but there's like this sort of uh the idea is like regular people can't see these demons and uh there's one of them that has like this firepower I think like his head's like a volcano and he can burn people. <laughs> and he's in a, a, in a cafe 
And he's having a conversation with other demons over this table, but obviously like no one can see him. None of the people in this cafe can see him. And he heats his head up and everyone, all the humans in the cafe just like burn to death. And oh. he, just, he just like murders all the people. And it's, it's like just little things like that. You think, oh, that's actually quite fucked up. That's quite dark. But you, you, like, you wouldn't really get that in say My Hero Academia, for example. It's just a bit darker and a little bit more killy, a little bit more uh, death happy. So, uh, but then it, it never feels gratuitous, obviously, or like, or, or tasteless or anything. It always feels like really good. And also that kind of darkness is juxtaposed with like really outlandish, silly shown in a comedy that's, that's mm-hmm. you know, up there with any other series. So those juxtapositions are really interesting. It's just so entertaining. And I, I think... In, in the first, like, seven or eight episodes, they've introduced so many characters and so many potential plot lines, and it feels really breakneck pace, but in a good way. It doesn't feel rushed or anything. It just feels like, wow, there's so much to, to explore going into the latter half of this mm-hmm. series. So, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I'm just so glad that when you were asking me for a show to cover for the the viewer's guide, I'm like, oh, there's nothing that really, like, jumps out at me immediately for Harry, but, like, I've heard decent things about Jujutsu no Kaisen. I feel like you might like it. And so I like gave it to you. I'm so glad that you've latched yeah, onto yeah. it Yeah, so yeah. It's absolutely my cup of tea. You, I mean, totally. You know, it kind of just sounds like Jojo, to be honest, where it like oh, it gets like super brutal, but it's also like contextualized in terms of like campiness. Yeah. Yeah, there's totally elements to that. Um, again, I, I guess it is something that worked so well about Demon Slayer in that like you've got these kind of, these darker subject matters and, and this more sort of, uh, almost violent aesthetic, but then at the same time, that's kind of offset really pleasantly with more outlandish comedy at times. Mm. It never feels like a bleak series. Like Tanjiro is such an optimistic protagonist um, and there's so many fun, colourful characters, but the subject matter is very dark. And I think that created such a great vibe in Demon Slayer. And I think Jujutsu Kaisen is kind of continuing So you that wouldn't sort say it's feel. draining or anything like that? Oh, no, no, not at all. No, it, okay. it's like for every scene where you're like, oh, God, that's fucked up. The next scene, you're fucking laughing. Yeah, so there have been it's, these, like, it's a few really series great. where I've tried to get into, well, I have gotten into, um, like, I love Berserk, but like, Berserk is such a, oh, God, it, it, it's not misery porn, but like, the the bleakness. It's oppressive. It, it, it's mm-hmm. oppressive. pretty oppressive. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Gantz. Uh, I, is it Gantz? Cool. No, well, Gantz too, but uh, no, I was uh, reading Blame, and Blame is just, a very bleak and oppressing world, but like that's the point of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's good that it's a. Uh, it sounds like something that's a little more digestible. It, it's it's got those really entertaining shonenisms as well. There's like a character who's like the teacher of these kind of protagonist students, and uh, he's implied to be really powerful, but you never fully see that. But I think it's episode seven. It's mostly just dedicated to a fight he has with this demon. And it's basically 25 minutes of him flexing how overpowered <laughs> he is. And it, it, it's, it's, very, it's very much like, it's a kind of an overdone thing in Shonen, but it's just so fucking entertaining. Okay. It is really, really fun. And a huge batch of the episode is just this great fight where you're just sat there and you feel like a teenager. It's just like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, that's oh awesome. God. That's so cool. <laughs> it's just that kind of thing. Okay. Like, okay. Gets you straight back just, to Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Like he'll do it. This is my power. This is my cursed ability. He's like, wow, that's so cool. Oh what God. he can do. <laughs> I mean, it's funny it, that's like I just, pretty I much every yeah. shonen, but it's funny that like that's how you describe your reaction to that. Mm-hmm. yeah oh that's totally yeah the antagonist will do something and you're like oh my god that's such a powerful move 
then the, the good character just like one ups that like so much, and it, it just oh, it's just it's a good fucking show. Oh, it yeah. is oh, great you, you gotta make popcorn convince. entertainment. You gotta make yeah, I mean, it, it's Check funny it because yeah. like I, I like like I said, I haven't really had that reaction in a while, and like Higurashi just kind of uh, elicited that. that like visceral audible reaction out of me where like in some of the episodes in the last part of season one, I was loudly going, what the fuck is going on right now? Um, but you know, in a good way. And yeah. It's like, Holy and, and, fuck. And like, like, fuck. If, if you want to, if you want to show, maybe like to, to kind of, uh, as a little bit of a break from Higurashi, something that's just completely entertaining. Mm. And and just totally fun, and also it's not that long right now. It's only like seven or eight episodes, so you can blast through it like pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, if you just want something that's purely fun and silly, then like I totally recommend Jujutsu Kaisen. Okay, alright. Yep, I'm I'm waiting for it. To, I I know it's not going to be totally finished by the end of the season, but at least I want I'm going to wait for this first season. Yeah. To finish up and oh yeah, mate. Ma- the cliffhangers have been brutal to wait every week oh. for. Like like when yeah, yeah it's been yeah. tough. So I don't blame <laughs> you. Keeping to the the tone of just kind of those oh shit moments is, I think I talked about this last episode, but Akadama Drive and Akadama mm-hmm. Drive just kicks so much ass. Uh, like <laughs> I said before, it is the Danganronpa artist, which is just immediately apparent. And it, it, I'm not, I'm not going to talk too much about it since I talked about it before, but it, it has this talent of just completely up and in the tea table in the most nonchalant ways. And then you having a delayed reaction like 10 seconds later, like, wait, hold on a second. Did we just do that? Really? So the, the last episode recently, it just completely shifts the paradigm entirely. It's this plot twist out of nowhere that you don't see coming whatsoever. And it gets you, th- like, you had just got settled into what kind of show it was and kind of what you were getting out of it. And now it's going, it's completely changing that formula all over the place. Uh, yeah. And I wasn't, expecting that from this the show i was expecting just kind of uh fun shenanigans with these fun psychopaths and i i wasn't expecting to be surprised by it like i have here and so it's just it's got very deliberate pacing where like you can tell that this is a 13 episode series you can tell it's been designed to just be 13 episodes because it is all killer no filler there's no wasted scenes mm-hmm. whatsoever so i really just can't wait because I have no idea how it's going to end at this point. Like I thought I knew, and now I have no idea. So I'm really looking forward to this. You guys got all the good half. shows for this season. <laughs> <laughs> you have a chance to continue any of the shows I've fucking watched. It is great though, but I'm so so sick of finding like a great show, but having to wait each week. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. really really annoying. And, and like, so I've got Jujutsu Kaisen. I've got Haikyuu as well that I'm fully caught up on now, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously One Piece and stuff. And it's like. I love all three of them, but I'm just sick of waiting weekly. <laughs> um, and yeah, like yeah. it sounds like you've got the same issue with Akumada Ak- Ak- Drive, is it? Or Akudama Drive? Akudama Drive, yeah. Akudama Drive, yeah. Ah. Akumada which is, is which is a made-up word, as far as I can tell. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Alrighty, let's get into some news, shall we? Yes, let's go for shall it. We? Well, you okay, could break so- down Akudama to mean bad ball. Yeah, but... <laughs> Bad I, don't, I don't know. Just, yeah, I, I had the same thought. I'm like, that makes no sense whatsoever. It's, okay, yeah. okay. I, like, you, 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 can, you can take the, the bad show. and like that's bad, like a made up word of bad, essentially. All oh, righty. But what's not bad is that uh, Kyoto Animation has 
been honored with the Woman in Animation Award for 2020, the nice. Woman in Animation mm. Diversity Award for Corporate Achievement. Uh, so that this absolutely makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And it is very well deserved. Considering uh, the studio is founded by just a bunch of bored housewives. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, still, I, and, I still need to read that article because yeah. that's still such a wild origin story. Yeah, it, it, it is crazy. And that just kind of principle is carried on throughout all of their years of service. And so uh, this, this award recognizes and honors individuals, films, and organizations that have may have made an impact in expanding the diversity of voices in art and animation either through their own work, fostering others, or leading diversity initiatives that enrich the industry and society. And I would say Kill Annie ticks all of those boxes. Mm. Yeah, that's wicked. It, from what you're observing, like, it, I mean, it seems like Japan is being more open-minded about uh, giving giving other people outside of, like, men uh, opportunities and stuff in the workplace. And, and do you feel that they are doing that as time goes on? They're becoming more conscious of giving good opportunities to, to perhaps less privileged uh, people. I, I hesitate to generalize it in that regard mm. because I, I follow anime tangential and adjacent news coming out of Japan, but since I'm not there anymore, I haven't really been keeping my nose to the ground in terms of what it's like in the general corporate structure of things. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think I would be able to comment on that specifically. Yeah, no, that's, that's uh, fair. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do, I do feel like I see that push in the animation and in, in the anime industry specifically for sure. Not, even outside yeah. of QA&E, this is the fourth year that, uh, this award has been given to an anime studio. Like it's been given, I don't have which ones before this, but it, it, there have been strides, uh, strides made to be more inclusive in the anime industry. And I feel like also it, it's partly because the anime industry can't afford to be choosy and its demographics mm. with how much demand yeah. there is for least, now it's like i mean i i guess i would put like an equivalent here to the u.s with the video game industry um mm -hmm. it's still rife with problems like a lot of problems but it is still good that there is a lot of public initiative and public recognition towards improving the issues that are there um not all of them but they they are still getting addressed and you know they're uh, like, like the fact that diversity is such just a non-issue or at least an issue to the point or not an issue to the point where people don't really think twice uh, about like, yeah, this was a game made like we have women and people of color on our dev team. That's like not a huge deal, um, which is a huge deal. Right. But it, mm -hmm. it's that kind of thing where it's public visibility, um, whether or not that's like actually reflective of each individual company that is on a case-by-case -case basis, but at least the public conversation is shifting towards it. Mm -hmm. On that note, can I just bring up something that really, really fucking irks me and it's been bothering mm. me a lot. I'm sick of seeing people online because the video game industry is becoming more diverse. I'm sick of seeing like quote-unquote gamers online saying, <laughs> this game is ruined because of the SJW agenda. The Dude, SJW I, liberal I, agenda. I'm a community manager for Xbox. I see that <laughs> shit all the time. And tell, really tell you what, just like loud trolls. I'll tell you what I really fucking hate about it as well. And this is something that I've been kicking around in my brain for a bit. I can't stand people dressing up things like racism and homophobia and sexism and trying to kind of disguise them as something more palatable. And I, I, I think this is something that's really frustrating. So like, ultimately, if you if you really like dug down on these people, you'd realise it's just that they, they're racist or they're sexist or they're homophobic yeah, or they're transphobic I mean, kind of or the they're discriminatory. Uh, but 
instead of admitting like that is what they think, they will think, well, that's not it. it is that I don't like the SJW yeah, it's, agenda. It's, 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 there's no such fucking thing as an SJW agenda. You fucking. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the same thing with the anime industry and people that. Dif- so, full disclosure, uh, I really don't like ReZero. Like, I kind of hate ReZero. Um, and especially after having a conversation with my friend about it uh, regarding, like, some of the characters, I think it's really damaging uh, for the perception of just people and women in general and the way it treats its female characters. I see, um, I, I'm not familiar yeah. with ReZero, but do you think there is, like, I, I mean, I, I don't know anything about it, but is there a kind of a, a sex text, perhaps? It's extremely sexist. Oh, it's God. It's extremely fucking sexist. Um, but it's played off very casually um and it's just kind of treated as oh yeah this is just what anime is like and like well it shouldn't be like that it's kind of not cool yeah um yeah it's kind of the same thing right and it's like it it, it's there because it appeals to such a large demographic and it's kind of what a lot of the popular media has been founded on yeah uh so when you get things like kyoani getting recognized that's you know i again we're all looking at this from the from the like the public perception right it's impossible to say what it's like on a case-by-case basis or even with the fans but it's i think it is at least good to be aware that these are things that are happening within the industry so yeah you know focusing more back on a positive thing good for good for keo oh yeah (laughs) wicked absolutely i I just i'll finish with this by the way because i don't want to rant for too long but i think um Obviously, for years, anime and video games and these more kind of geeky subcultures were targeted primarily at heterosexual men. So there was a very much kind of like a straight white male default kind of put on it all. But obviously, over time, fortunately, it's become more diverse and more eclectic. And now a huge range of people are playing these games and and watching these animes. As a result, it only makes sense that now video games and anime try to represent that more kind of varied demographic and not be discriminatory. And it's nice to see the industry gradually moving in that direction. It's just frustrating to see the kind of, the morons, the consumers who are like, oh, SJW, in my anime, in my video game. And it's just like, oh, fuck off. You <laughs> you stupid fucking discriminatory bitch of a cunt. Fuck you. Anyway, um, I'll stop <laughs> ranting. <laughs> Related to Kill Annie, you can add to their diversity by being a white man in their studio. They are accepting applications for animators, managers, and systems engineers with a fixed term and year-round periods. Oh, you know what? You, you know what, Nat? That is, that is a 9 out of 10 on the graceful, graceful entry into the pool there. This is my rant set up that joke. I feel like this all worked out. Yeah. The, that, the irony when being a white male could add to that diversity. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> all right, moving go. right along now. So uh, are either of you familiar with the director Kenji Kamiyama? No. No, not offhand. What have they directed? You may have heard of a little known movie called Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex. I oh, am. okay. Yes, yeah, so you may have heard of a series called Eden of the East. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I've heard so, of that, yeah. Yeah, so he was the director for both of those. And so uh, these are oh, very... they're into geopolitics then. Yeah. Uh, so he's announced that his next feature-length anime, whatever that means, if, whether feature-length anime means a movie or a show, we're not sure, mm-hmm. but it is in the works and it will be coming on April 2021. And so, yeah, I, I, like like Kyle said, he's very big in like these geopolitical stories. And I 
I just want to kind of touch on just the strengths of his his shows in regards to he's Eat of the East in particular. I feel like it. He does a great job of crafting these kind of outlandish conspiracy theories in a way that, while mm-hmm. still making them seem palatable, like they're re- they could be real. They don't feel like they're pulled out of fiction. And uh, I- I'm actually not sure where I'm going with this, Kyle. <laughs> Did you? Uh, I- honestly, it's been a bit since I've watched Eden of the East. Uh, yeah. But what what I guess I, I think you're trying to get at is it's it's a bit of an outlandish setup um, where you do kind of have to suspend some disbelief. But once you do and you completely buy into it, it's like, I, I guess I'd say it's the same as Metal Gear. Like Metal Gear is like super fucking campy and all over the place. But like Kojima mm-hmm. has some genuinely like insightful stuff to say about politics in the world. So yeah, I, 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 I think like give that kind of perspective. Yeah, I think exploring politics and social things through like this lens of fiction is always so interesting, and it can be done really, really well. Um, what examples do you guys know of of like series where like really, really good real world themes are explored through this lens of um, like I mean, Ghost fantasy? Of the Shell is, a, is honestly a great one mm-hmm. um, because it is like super over the top, and it, it's like it's technology that's effectively magic. Um, you just assume that it works the way that it says it does. Uh, but because it works the way that it says it does, it can explore themes of transhumanism, politics, uh, like the class disparity and stuff like that. Mm. So it, yeah, it, it, I think to Matt's point, it, it has this outlandish framework to explore deeper topics uh, that relate to humanity. Right. Another example would be Psychopaths, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I need That's to like, rewatch you, you just Psychopaths. assume that, that guns work the way that mm-hmm. they say they do, like in that world. I, I need to rewatch it because I think I saw it about like five or six years ago, but uh, I remember really enjoying it. Um, season two is like a bit weak, I thought. I wasn't a big fan of that. Apparently, season three is pretty good, though, which is strange because I think season three isn't actually written by the original creator. It's like completely mm. anime original, but apparently, season three is quite good. Yeah, I heard season three is good too. It's also not airing on or not streaming on any major site as far as it wasn't on, maybe it was on High Dive. Mm. But at the very least, it wasn't on Funimation or Crunchyroll, which I found strange at the time. Because yeah, that was fairly recent. Speaking of things that are streaming right now, but I really want to watch and I can't because I'm in the UK, the Animaniacs reboot is out. Oh yeah, yeah I heard about that. I really want to watch it because I love Animaniacs. And coincidentally also, there is a little sequence in there where it's called Anime. Niacs, and they yeah. do a little anime parody for a few minutes and i saw it on youtube and it's like legitimately really fun <laughs> um, yeah, it's but pretty it, well done i can't watch it because it's on hulu and it's us exclusive get a so get a oh. yeah I, I might do that but then like, i think it's because I, I looked at it the other day but you have to sign up to hulu and you have to put in like certain things like about your debit card that are only exclusive to the u.s so, uh, oh, you need a well, US like like a, you need like a zip number or something which we don't use over here. So, yeah. How do people find you? <laughs> I, I I just I, I we just uh, put, put oh, the numbers uh, in and it's all good. As an aside, addresses oh. in Japan are like a nightmare. Also, like oh, really? dude, I, yeah, like that was fucking awful when I was. Yeah, there it's it's not really like sure. an address doesn't get you to like to a specific location. It gets you like to the general area. Of the location you're looking yeah. for. I don't, oh my god. I don't know it's how you'd so be a mailman weird. that place. 
Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, anyways. But UK doesn't sound as bad as that. But yeah, anyways, yeah. Eden the East, Ghost in the Shell. Good stuff. Looking forward to seeing what kind of commentary Mr. Kenji Kamiyama has next. Have you guys ever wanted to work in the anime industry? Has that ever crossed your mind before? Before uh, your life? Right now, I'd take any job, I'll be honest. So, mm-hmm. like... um uh, I don't know what I could do in the anime industry, but sure. Well, that's where I kind of stand, <laughs> but yeah, sure. Don't know what I do, but sure. Okay, well, like, there's... In terms of upper education for uh, teaching how, like, various different uh, anime techs, how the anime industry works in manga as well, there's been, like, individual classes here and there, maybe, like, a, uh, a couple of, like, a group of courses at a few scattered universities but now for the first time ever at kaishi professional university in niigata prefecture they are going to be opening up their dedicated uh, anime and manga department in april 2021 along with its dedicated uh, course for anime and manga so again this Mm -hmm. isn't just like a few isolated classes this is a dedicated course for up to 80 students that is all about um it that it will include more than 600 hours of class learning and leading anime, uh, how to be a professional animator, uh, director, manga artist, character designing, illustrators, game creators, as and a whole lot more. That's and really so cool. I, yeah, and that's just mm. again speaking to the the impact anime has on just society and as a whole that this university feels like it it deserves to have this, uh, this department. And also this department, it had to be approved. Uh, it was approved by the Japanese Minister of e- Ministry of Education, Culture, Sports, Science, and Technology, which I assume to be just kind of like the general education ministry in Japan. So it's not like they decide, we think this is important, so we're going to do it. They had to convince the government that it was also important, and the government mm. agreed to it. Mm. That's actually interesting that it was sanctioned through the government because you have, like going back to parallels with the game industry here in the u.s uh, you do have schools and colleges that offer game design courses but because they're private institutions they can just decide to say yeah this is important we'll offer this but we can't guarantee you any work so i i think having the the government backing in whatever you know, small or large way it was is basically uh, a a safer bet that this is a quality course to take mm-hmm. yeah so Interestingly, this this the university itself is also brand new. It opened up just uh, April oh, this year. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, and so it uh, this the fir- the department will launch in April twenty twenty one. So it basically in its second year of the university's birth, this department will come in, and so it is accepting applications through December first, and it will have its first entrance exam on December nineteenth. What the hell will that entrance exam look like? <laughs> I, I think it's a really strange thing with education mm. because I, I think, I, I remember when I was at university, I did creative sound technology because I really love music production. Um, but it had so much written work. And uh, huh. like my, my friend Tom, he also did the same course a couple of years prior. And he was saying how I think at one point he, so he did like a remix of a song and it was really, really high quality. It was a really good remix. So the practical work was great, but his written essay wasn't very good. And then somebody else did a remix that was terrible, like fucking really poorly produced, really poorly written. But their essay was great. And they both got the same mark. And Tom was saying it felt frustrating because actually that's not what's going to get someone far in an industry. 
like like your, mm. your quality of essay writing that's not going to mean mm. anything if you're working in say the anime industry or or right. the music industry at the end of the day it all comes down to the product that you're making um i yeah, think it's kind of the same with uh like the visual arts um, yeah and how like if really pay, people pay attention to your portfolio and your portfolio is what gets you work yeah, right. like if, I, if you're not good at writing essays, it's okay as long as like your practical work, your practical product, like that, that is on point. And I think university doesn't always reward that or encourage that. It's it's kind of skewed a little bit towards essays, so which I think is not great for practical maybe topics. Maybe the entrance exam is just, can you, like, is it like an exam that takes place in a day or is it like, here, you have a week to storyboard stuff for us? Right, I, I think... Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if this is what it'd be, but in my head, the ideal entrance exam for this is, okay, here's the date for it. On this date, submit a portfolio of your works, uh, like a storyboard or like character designs and things like that. Because it seems like an all-encompassing uh, course for all aspects of anime creation. Mm-hmm. And then because this is on all aspects of anime creation, that also like goes into the business aspects of it as well and how studios function. And I feel like there would be probably a written exam on essentially how to run a business because anime studios studios are businesses as well. Uh, it's mm. just like uh, when you go, uh, when people go into med school and want to be doctors and want to open up their own clinics, they're opening up their own business and a lot of people don't realize that and you have to be business savvy too. So I feel like there would be a little bit of that. There would be a little bit of uh, like maybe maybe interviews where okay here's a scenario how do you handle it so that that's kind of like what i see with this entrance exam that three-pronged approach with a pre-prepared portfolio a written exam and an interview mm-hmm. yeah i mean uh, if it's any kind of like good interview pro- or uh like exam or entrance process like one aspect is just going to be like part of the whole picture of like who you right. are as an applicant though so. Especially because uh, it's only accepting 80 students for this program. And I feel like because it's the first of its kind, it'll probably be quite inundated with applicants. So they, I would have to think they would have to be pretty choosy uh, on who they accept and mm-hmm. the quality of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to your point, because this is unprecedented, if it's going to be a practical experience or if it's going to be uh, more theory crafting, it'll be interesting to see uh, how this does after its first year. It doesn't... Uh, in this article I have, uh, it doesn't say how long the course is other than that it's more than 600 hours well, of course of work. I don't know what that translates to. What I'm interested to find out about is whether or not they'll partner with studios. Because that's right. what a lot yeah. of arts, uh, art schools here in the U.S. do. Um, like the one that m- uh, my brother is going to uh, down in San Francisco. They partner with a lot of animation studios and uh, video game developers in San Francisco. Uh, that way, like when you graduate, you know, you can intern at one of those companies um, and have like a direct path into it. Uh, if this is such a new program and a new school, I, I, I would hope that they're working on getting like networking or connection with established studios rather right. than just graduating their students and telling them, all right, go figure it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I- on on that note, I wonder how people have applied for anime studios normally, like without without any connections. If it's just what what those application processes look like to it's, be like an animator or it must be such uh, a yeah. tough industry to get into. I mean, like any 
again, like any like the music industry or any kind of practical industry like that, it must be really, really hard. Mm. Yeah, I would love to. I'm pretty to. sure, I, I think like people get scouted as well. So there's that. Yeah. So outside of scouting though, like if you just want to apply cold turkey to get in, like what, what does that look? I would love to pick the brains of just someone on the ground level that's just like a standard animator of just like, because they're the ones that got into it most recently. It's just like, tell me what, what does that look like? In today's mm-hmm. environment, mm-hmm. because if you and if you were to ask someone like that's at the director or the producer level, they've they've probably been in the industry for a while and the scene has probably changed since they first got into it. So yeah, which would also be interesting to hear. But I'd be more interested to be like, what's it look like now uh, mm-hmm. for all all those people like you and Harry that want to get into it? That it, it's funny because that reminds me. Back in college, I was a campus tour guide, and uh, there. Every time that we came to the part in the tour where I would talk about our study abroad programs, I would always ask like, ask the group is like, is anyone interested in going abroad? And if people raise their hands, I'd ask where, and we'd have a quick little chat. Um, but there was one girl that says like, I want to go to Japan because I want to work. I want to do, and she paused, animation. And Japan is the best <laughs> place to learn how to do animation. Oh. And I'm just like, I'm just like sending wavelengths to her. I'm like, I, I, I got you. I got you. I, I know what you mean. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like using code like that. But yeah, get your applications in. You got one more week, you two. <laughs> oh. I'll, I'll have to cram my Japanese learning. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I'm terrible at art as well. Fun fact about me, I suck at drawing. But uh, I, yeah, I actually uh, have been trying to draw a little bit landscapes recently just because uh, I had some time a weekend ago and I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. I went to the, the arts and crafts store. I bought a sketchbook and a whole range of pencils and I just went out and did my best to sketch landscapes. Spoiler, I'm really bad also. I don't know <laughs> just, how people do keep, trees. Yeah, just keep but, at it. And yeah, like, just gotta there, keep there's at videos it. and like references for that, but it's really just a matter of discipline. And it's like, yeah, keep, absolutely. Just, just the it. only thing I can draw is draw on my inner sadness. Oh, I don't know what. What? Ooh, that's snap. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I heard, I heard MS sadness, like oh, okay. MS paint. <laughs> like, like, what, what, what program? And that this? sounds like a really good Microsoft application. In, in the next Windows update, MS sadness. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's it for the news this week. We're doing a little less news because uh, we got. Uh, a bigger topic than usual, I feel like, for our Shitsumon. Maybe it's a question, I'm not sure. This is something that we probably should have done at the beginning of the year when the previous decade had just ended. But we, we kind of came to this realization that it's like, okay, yeah, the decade ended. We never really had this sort of retrospective on what's happened in that decade, what kind of like monumental shows uh, came out and why they made a big deal. And so we're just going to start that off with this episode Going through the years, we're not going to get through the whole decade this episode, and we might not do this every episode coming up because we're coming up on the end of the year and we have to do a review then too. But uh, just for some episodes going forward, we're going to take a step back and look at the decade of 2010 through 2019 and what has come out and why those shows are still remembered to this day for better or worse sometimes. And so we're starting way back at 2010. And so let's let's just set the scene really quickly. So Kyle... 2010, Kyle Rogashone. Uh, what was your man. life back then? What were you doing? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I was a junior in high school. I was Same. probably playing a lot of WoW in TF2. Mm-hmm. 
study uh, college apps were a thing um what was junior year i think junior year was still taking like i think that was the sat and act year yeah i got 2280 on my sat I'm amazed you remember that. <laughs> it was either 22 or 2180. It, it was a decent score, so I was busy doing that, um, hanging with friends, and then uh, spending a lot of time on my computer. That was the most time I'd had just consuming media. Um, and were, were also, you watching anime at that point? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I took a break from anime, or at least like current airing stuff when I got into college. So from like 2011 to 2015, I didn't really watch a huge amount of anime. But 2010, I think, was like the last year I was like really invested. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's where I was in 2010. So hopefully I'll hey. know some of the titles that you're throwing at us. And Harry, what what kind of little gremlin were you <laughs> so back in 2010? I was, uh, I took my GCSEs in 2011 and GCSEs are essentially, so how, how the British school system works is you take your GCSEs when you're like 16, uh, mm-hmm. then you take your A-levels after that for, for two years. But like you can leave school after your GCSEs, but like everything else is like further education. So you could do A-levels mm-hmm. for two years. Then if you do okay in your A-levels, you go to university Oh, so I was, I'd have been like 15 slash 16 in 2010. And uh, I don't think I'd started watching anime, but I think I was only maybe about a year or two out from starting watching anime. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've heard of some of the shows that we'll talk about. The right. very or maybe have watched them in retrospect. Let's see. Me, I was, I was also a junior in high school at the time, same as Kyle. Uh, I was probably maybe a year into my anime watching career at that point, And I just started into watching currently airing things. And mm-hmm. just to get us started off here, January 2010, right at the beginning of the year, was... I've heard of it. Yeah. Yes. So came out right at the start of 2010. So Harry has not seen it. Kyle, have you seen it? I watched like the first half of it. It honestly didn't grab me super hard. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if I can offer insightful commentary on it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get what it's about, and I think I can get why it'd be popular. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think a reason why it's popular and why I enjoyed it as well. I didn't watch it as it was airing. I watched it in retrospect. But something that I really appreciate about it is I, I really like it when, even outside of anime, just any media in general, just doesn't have a singular protagonist where... Mm-hmm. Either it's a shared protagonist role or there is no protagonist. Like uh, FF13 gets a lot of shit, but I really liked how there was no protag- actual protagonist in it. And so Durarara was kind of this triple protagonist system and where they had their own stories that they followed. And even then, they wouldn't really call them protagonists. The, the pro- protagonist itself was the, the city of Ikibukuro and everything happening in it. And I just really enjoyed the, the sort of fractured storytelling of it all and watching mm-hmm. it all come together. Uh, admittedly, Bakano did it much better, in my opinion. But uh, Dorora brought that kind of storytelling to a modern Tokyo setting, which we didn't really see a lot of, and we still don't see a lot of in anime. And it's it it's just an... It's almost kind of like a mystery, in a way, just seeing all the different perspectives and how they wrap together. And of course, there's Selty, who is pretty iconic. And I think she's probably the 
number one reason that the show has kind of carried on into the mindset of anime fans to this day. You always see at least one Celtic in uh, conventions. Uh, Dolahan biker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Biker chick without a head, but the, <laughs> yeah. the cat helmet. Mm-hmm. What is a, what's the basic premise of the show for people like me who haven't seen it? So the basic premise is that it takes place in Ikebukuro, Tokyo. And man, how do you even describe the premise of the show? <laughs> um, I guess you can sort of think of it as like turf wars in a weird way where uh, there are these three gangs in uh, Enikibukuro that aren't really hostile towards each other, but they all play, they all kind of operate under an unspoken rule set on uh, how they interact and who controls what parts of the city. And that gets tossed into disarray by various factors, including the supernatural and how they how it all comes together probably would consist of the crux of the story is how I describe it. Mm. Ah, okay. very mm. fancy. Yeah. It, it is a tough one to describe. <laughs> well, but, okay, uh, so I think, wh- Kyle, you you'll say... have more to say on this next... Oh. But, well, hmm, all right, I, I might be able to guess what the next one will be, but I, I guess before we move on from Dur that mm-hmm. uh what would you say <laughs> is distinctive about it stylistically and is it something that is like very like when you see it like oh that's a 2010 show hmm distinctive about it stylistically and that's a 20 especially like, compared i would to say stuff uh, that's coming yeah. out like recently right? yeah yeah so uh i think a really big indication of like early 2010s and like like late 2000s shows is kind of over the top slapstick physical comedy that mm-hmm. doesn't get questioned mm-hmm. like the kind of character that just like will utterly beat up another character for the sake of comedy or just like sl- like crush them underneath a vending machine that kind of nonsense where that would be if not treated totally seriously it would at least be treated semi-seriously in a lot of modern shows it's just like no this is just to show how the, this t- typical uh, Monzai duo of the straight man and mm-hmm. the, the idiot. And there's a lot of that being played off casually. Um, beyond that, I, I, would, I wouldn't say the animation style itself is anything unique. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's got very bold colors and uh, it's, it captures the aesthetic of Ikebukuro very well. But I, I, actually, I would say... It's got a bit of a subdued color palette, which kind of, it contrasts the zany nature of the story in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's how I describe mm-hmm. it. There's nothing that really stands out about it in that regard that screams 2010s to me besides mm-hmm. those. Okay. But yes, the I, next I, show that I, I want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I know, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. We'll get there eventually. conversation. <laughs> Anyways, I was just going to say, quick point there, is that uh, it, it does feel like that there are some shows from the late 2000s, early 2010s that have that like almost borderline chuny vibe where it's like dark and serious, but like in a very, in, in the way that a 17 year old would think is cool. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't really get that feeling from uh, mm. Durov. I, I know. I, I can see what you mean. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of an example of what. Like that the, the might one that comes be. to mind for me is uh, uh, wow. I, what darker than black? 
that's one. Oh, Dark in the Flag. No, no, yeah, it's definitely nothing like that for sure. Okay. Anyway. All right. Now, am well, I allowed to on, move man. on, Kyle? No, no, no you, you, you can move. You can move along. Okay. <laughs> Tatami Galaxy, Spring oh. 2010, Mr. Masaki Yuasa, and I assume you very have nice. watched this, yes. correct? Oh, I love Tatami yes. Galaxy. It's yeah. So I, I have. I, I tried watching the first episode a few years ago, and I'm like, this is really cool. But boy, do I need to give it my full undivided attention. Mm -hmm. And so I put it down because I watched it while eating dinner. And so I thought, I was like, I'm going to come back to this when uh, I can actually no, pay attention no. to it. And then it, I it's never did. It's a thinker. So, yeah. Um, so uh, would, I, I'm not familiar with it at all. I've, I've not even heard of it. So uh, fail me in. What's the, what's Kyle, the I choose you. All right. Tatami Galaxy is... Uh, hot. How do you describe Tommy? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very stylistic show. Um, and it is about, uh, it's been so long since I watched it. Um, but I, I don't remember the characters' names, but it, it follows uh, the a, a college student uh, who's starting off their college life. And it's every episode is like a self contained episode where like he explores different clubs. Uh, and the crux of it is trying to figure out how he can, like, live, I think the the way they phrased it is, like, a rose-colored college life. And it's centered around oh, like, yeah, I remember that. him yeah. finding his, like, like what he wants to do with his life or, you know, do in college. Uh, while also uh, trying to pursue uh, a, a girl that, like, he falls in love with at first sight. Um and Which sounds like a very straightforward plot. It is. It is a very but. <laughs> straightforward plot. But the unique part of Tatami Galaxy is that every episode is like almost kind of like a Groundhog Day kind of thing, where each episode takes him through a different club in different scenarios and puts him in different situations, different social situations too. Um, and honestly, I'd say Tatami Galaxy is like a very timeless show. Um, mm. it, it helps yeah. that the setting is, I think like 1960s Japan. It, it's not modern day Japan, if I remember correctly. Um, so the, the, the framing of it is just this larger look at, um, how, yeah, how a young adult can find their way in the world, um, and make meaning out of a society that they perceive is working against them and doesn't it just isn't worth living what what i remember about the first episode of tatami galaxy besides masaki yuasa's trademark just like no outlines all the characters are blobs art style mm -hmm. um, uh, is how the characters dialogue they would go down these rabbit holes that oh, we yeah. would you yeah, would yeah. start at point a and then you get at like point t it was like, wait a minute, how did we get <laughs> that, here and that, how does that, it relate to what we started yeah, at? That, yeah. that is an accurate and, description of the dialogue. Yeah, but but uh, there was always a, not a purpose, but there was a, a reasoning to it that yeah. you could follow. And I, I, I think that that was the main reason that I paused. I'm like, okay, I need to give this my full undivided attention because it it wasn't afraid to kind of go off the rails it's batshit crazy logic make, yeah. but it is logic that's like fun to follow uh kind right. of drawing comparisons to jojo again where jojo has its own yeah. internal sense of logic right but it's I, like, I, it I doesn't like, really make sense 
Um, but it makes sense because the characters believe it does. It, 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 it makes sense in the context the of the universe it's created. Like, yeah, exactly. there are things that, like, I mean, you could take that down to like little things like, say, you're watching a shonen thing and a character gets like blasted through a building and like you think, oh, in real life, it clearly fucking died. Well, no, but, like, but with JoJo, that's but, like the whole appeal. Yeah, the whole appeal. Well, yeah, like with anime in general, I think the fact that it's not exactly like real life is the whole appeal. L- well, like but, but a- across in JoJo in so particular, different- it's the fact that like they'll spend like they'll go on tangents, right? And it's oh, not yeah, yeah. as if uh, it's the fact that it's going on tangents because it's like in other yeah. shonen, it's fairly straightforward. It's like this power counteracts this power, but in JoJo, that relationship of this power counteracts this power. It's like instead of a straight line, it's a fucking zigzag. And like yeah, yeah. curves in on itself and it's like makes fucking figure eights. It's that kind of thing with Atomic Galaxy where it's fairly straightforward. It's about uh, this dude who's in school uh, trying to join clubs and interact with people and get a fulfilling love life and just a school life in general. But the way he goes about it is so fucking roundabout. And because of Masaki Yuasa's just incredibly fluid and out there style, like the whole point is the ride that you're going on. Right. And it's it's not like you don't have conversations in real life that go down rabbit holes and tangents as well. And it, it really kind of, especially uh, with the, the main character's friend, the conversations he has with them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's just, it really mimics that kind of just casual conversation you might have with a friend that it doesn't really have any meaning or it loses the meaning of the original intent partway through, but that's, it's what just, you're you there should, yeah, for, and yeah, that's yeah. why you're talking. It's just the act of talking into something. So one of the things really I'd say, that. one of the things I'd say about Tatami Galaxy is that, unless I can remember like other stuff beforehand, um, and Masayu also was obviously like working like and very prominent in the industry, but I'd say Tatami Galaxy was the like the work that brought him into the mainstream. Right. That that seems that seems appropriate. I would say. Still need to go back and watch it someday. It's good. It, it, it's, it's a good watch. Yeah. I can. Re- I yeah, think it's on sure. Crunchyroll too. So, it. I yeah. If not Funimation, it's definitely on one of the streaming sites. All right, Kyle. Oh my god. Why is Ori Emo still popular? Was that a 2010 show? Fall of 2010. Oh lord. Why um, my little sister can't be this all right, cute? Harry, you're gonna hate it me. Sounds, this, especially sounds after shit. All the fucking, oh, sounds like a really Harry, shit I'm show, sorry. mate. Especially, <laughs> at, oh no! Especially after our talk about fucking sexism and like awful trends. So, <laughs> where do I even start with Ori emo? Okay, I'll I'll like I'll set the scene while you gather Jesus your thoughts, Christ. Kyle. So, have, first of all, have you? Okay, it sounds like you haven't, but have you heard of Ori emo? Harry. No. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to erase it from my brain, whatever it You'll is. You'll probably recognize this. it once I start describing it. Okay. So you have uh, a pair of siblings, uh, older brother, younger sister. Older you brother can already is see where like, it's going, Harry. With oh, the oh average, I, I just kind of, this is the most popular genre in Alabama, isn't it? Oh my God. <laughs> hey <Hey-oh. laughs> You know, kudos to you for knowing about Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's interesting with Alabama is that um, they banned an episode of Arthur because it had a gay wedding in. What? And what I find really fascinating is that the right wing people quite often say the left are snowflakes. To me, you can't be more of a snowflake if you're offended over fucking Arthur. Arthur the aardvark for, for families and children offends you. 
an episode of Arthur offended you. That is taking well, being a snowflake to a whole new level. Be Why are we talking be, about Alabama? Be, be prepared, <laughs> well, because of incest, the show. Yeah, so older brother, younger sister. Uh, younger sister is kind of like stuck up, like a pretty, like perfect at everything, but she's also like a super hardcore otaku. And brother finds out about this, that she really loves these like uh, incest arrow gay. And so that he protects her secret and tries to get her to like find other people that share her hobbies and have like a friend circle. And it evolves. It sure does evolve, doesn't it, Kyle? Uh, so, uh, I... Sounds like, like shit, mate, to be so, honest. Okay, Harry. Uh, what right, what Harry. I will give the show is that it was generally funny. There were a lot of actually funny parts to it. That That's why I was watching it to start with. Like, it, it wasn't really... To 2010, Matthew, it wasn't clearly obvious to me at the time that it was going to go in the direction it did. And so I was enjoying just kind of like the, the it was like pseudo rom-com aspects of it all. And I, I appreciated just the, the relatability sort of just hiding your hobbies because I was definitely at that time hi hiding uh, a lot of my anime enthusiasm <sighs> to a lot of people. But Kyle, then it got incestuous and you loved it. Okay, so I... It's not that complex. It's just embarrassing for me to talk about this. Um, <laughs> because I mean, I have a fucking Kirino Nendoroid like staring at me right now. Um, I liked <laughs> the show. Uh, so, full disclosure, I really like cute anime girls. I think they're cute. And it's like, oh, that's a cute girl. That's that that appeals to me as a heterosexual male. Um, and you know, I I think I was less discerning with my tastes back in 2010. And to some degree, I still am. Like, I still enjoy, like, trashy stuff. I, I can't tolerate it nearly as much. But there, there's stuff that I enjoy. Um, 2010 Kyle is the kind of guy that would really unironically enjoy something like Love Hina. Uh, and enjoy it for the comedy, but also enjoy it because, oh, that's a cute girl. And there's a kind of bland protagonist. And I can vicariously live through him. So there's that. And Oriyama is that show, um, and it is that kind of story. I've, I've uh, see. I've always wondered. I've always been a little bit baffled by the whole anime trope of like bland teenage male protagonist with no social skills having like this cute girl fawn over them. But it's for people like you, Kyle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from ten, from ten years ago. From ten years ago. Yes, it's okay. It's, yes, it, um, no judgment. But but like, I mean, judgment. You... I mean, there, there's judgment there. <laughs> Um, but that, do, that's do you why, feel like uh, hmm? were you living the stereotypical like basement dweller? Yeah, life, kind of. I, I uh, yeah, dude. Like when we were talking about what we were doing in 2010, I literally said like I was like studying and then like on my computer <laughs> and then hanging yeah. out with when I could. But like for the most part, like that was the most time did, I spent online. Did you did you have like an anime girl body pillow? No, I did buy my brother one though for his birthday. Ah, <laughs> the yeah. Did he, did, those are expensive. Did he That's like an it? expensive Christmas present. He, did he, he sent me a it? picture of her uh, covered in uh, his bed sheet. Right? Come. <laughs> yeah. Well, not come, but yeah. Anyways, so to, to give, I guess, some justification for who I am as a person now, uh, I really don't like ReZero. I, I think it's very dangerous. I think it's like not, yeah. it doesn't have great characters. And the message that it tries to impart is one that's buying into the whole 
heteronormativity and extreme subtle, ex, not subtle, but extremely ingrained sense of uh, sexism where it's like the woman exists purely for the male fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I don't, I, like, I can't like ReZero. And I think I could have liked ReZero if I watched it when I was 17. Which is yeah. who I think the primary demographic is for. So that's, I, I think it's, t- it's totally fair. Like we're yeah. all work in progress and we all learn things over time. And I can say like, you know, yeah, I'm totally more educated on things like this. Now I'm like mid twenties when I was when I was a teenager. I have um, to give all yeah. of this justification to explain why I really liked Ori Emo. So you don't get, <laughs> you don't get canceled. So I don't get canceled. I'm yeah. going to be real. I was like, on board with the incest. All right. So that's what the whole show's appeal was. That's what it was trying to push out there. And I ate it up. All right. That's a, I, a bold I'm not statement. Go around that. It, it is a bold <laughs> statement. I, and I can I say was that because I don't have a younger Kylo Gachon, 2020. I, I, do, I, do applaud, I do applaud the cojones that the author had with having the ending that he did. <laughs> I, I, they didn't even really have an ending. They, they, it was kind of a just cut. All right, all right. So we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll stop yeah. talking around or email. What, talk what worries, about what worries me? Now. Wait, what worries me as well is that like story writing is such an incredible thing, and you can write any story you want. You can dream of the most magical, bonkersly fantastical worlds ever. The author to this show was thinking one day, "What shall I write about?" And then it came to him. I've got it. Harry, not only... And then he wrote that. <laughs> Harry, not only did he do that once, he did it twice. With, uh... Because uh, of, uh, Arrow Manga Sensei. Was, yeah, Arrow Manga Sensei, which uh, came out in 2017. So, I watched that. And I watched that when, you know, 20... Like, it was like three years ago or so. I was 24. Um, I watched that and was like, this is garbage. I can't stand this. <laughs> I, although, to be fair, Arrow Manga Sensei was a lot worse I'd say object. Yeah, I would, it's just objectively worse. And I've argued this point before with Ori Emo. I still think Ori Emo has a lot of merit to it. I think if they contextualized it a bit differently or even dropped some of the fan service, it could still be a pretty good show. Um, but as it was, me in 2010 watching this uh, as a it was still a character driven show. So, you know, I, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I thought you know, it still had some merit, but then there's also the degenerate part of me. It's like, Oh, that's a cute girl. And you know, she's kind of a bitch, but she really likes her brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. What, what, I know. Okay. okay so, so also this author, like, so he wrote about this, uh, topic repeatedly. It's kind of like writing a manga about fingering dogs. Like, and then after, know. after you write this manga, you say, I'm going to write another one. Like, like who does that? I don't know if incest is analogous with fingering dogs. And that's a sentence that I've said now. Um, but it, it is the same kind of, like, you, you know what you're, like, wa- you know why you're watching this it's, show. It's the same thing in yeah. the sense of why would you write a story about that? It's because be- it's an audience for everything. Oh, it, it, yeah, it's because, Kyle, okay. So, Kyle. so I have to explain, I, here Harry, I have to explain with you. Uh, there, there is, a, and honestly, like I in was the, not expected to talk about this same, for so long. In the same way, <laughs> in the same way that historians will look at the use, of, and I'm, people now are looking at the usage of memes, right? And there is 
actually a lot of nuance in how subcultures discuss and inhabit their interest. It's the same thing with cute girls in anime and moe shit. <clears throat> so the idea, the core conceit behind the appeal of something like Oriemo is the fact that, I, I was kind of shitposting about it earlier, but it, it's the idea that you can have a cute girl uh, like Kirino, the, I, I'd say there, there's two protagonists, so, you know, the, the female protagonist, you know, she, she's got her whole appeal, and, and it's, if you look at, you know the archetypes like Cinderace, right? Cinderace, Yandere's, and stuff like that, Harry? Uh, yeah, yeah, like, like someone yeah. who's quite mean. Yeah, yeah, so she's like yeah. coming off mean, but it's like, oh, we, we know she's really, you know, what she really feels, um, that kind of thing. And th it's, it's less, or it's as much about the character themselves as it is the situation that they're in. Right. So the appeal of it is that, you know, they, she has this, uh, estranged relationship with her brother. And as the show goes on, you know, they, they repair it and they, uh, start to get to know each other better and function better as friends. And then they, they take the rom-com spin on it. And because it's this, people like the idea of taboo and people like the, her being an otaku, I think is also the large appeal of it where it's like, oh, she's a nerd. She likes the same things I do. That makes it okay for me to like incest. Yeah. Could there, you imagine if like, yeah. imagine if like Harry Potter um, like it got to the last Harry Potter book and Ron just like fucks Ginny or something. <laughs> like it just, it just goes really off the rails. That's, that was a jump. Yeah. I mean, that, it, it's kind of a jump, but kind of not. And I, yeah. all of this, all of this to say that there are a lot of mental hoops that people will willingly jump through because of their perception of uh, their, their, their perception of media and their disconnect from reality with it. And that is where yeah. I'd say like I was, and I, I still am to some degree, like able to like distance myself mentally and understand that this is like, if this happened in real life, this is kind of fucked. But in yeah. the context I, of I, thing fantasy. Is, I, I get it. Yeah. People, people just like to fuck with fantasy and fuck with concepts. I am like, like 80% fucking with you just because I think it's fun to see how much you defend it. <laughs> Like, dude, it was it was ten years ago. Like, I really, I really don't care. But I, I just enjoyed. Like, <laughs> I see the the thing is, is like I I get a little defensive about Oriemo because I do believe, and I've said this repeatedly, I do believe that there is a a good idea there and a good story. And yeah. there is part of there is a large part of me, and I'm pretty sure it's still carried by the fact that like I'm still kind of okay with the relationship that the show creates. Um, I do think that it's like, I think it's still a fun story, a cute story. I think, uh, yeah, I, that encapsulate, encapsulates a lot of people's thoughts on the shows. And I was going to ask, like, why is it still in the minds of fans to this day? Why, why is it still so well known? And I think you capture it very well. And like, yeah, it's the, the whole premise itself and how, where it goes is not great, but it, I wouldn't really say it treats it with respect, but there's thought <laughs> behind it. You can tell it's the, it, you can tell it's not just entirely for, uh, the the fetishy part of it. But Unlike it's like the also oh, yeah, like 
okay, here's the thing. That same season, that same season, fall 2010, uh, Yosuga no Soro is airing. What is that? Do you know that I one? Know. I know. That, that, one, that <laughs> one is the show that coined the meme term, uh, what is it incest is Wincest or Wincest is oh, incest? Oh, way, that's not a good of, term. Isn't it interesting how we said like, oh, so the topic for this episode, we're going to talk about best anime of the decade. Then we talk about incest for 20 minutes. I, well, <laughs> I, I, I didn't say best. I said like, impactful uh, for impact, better or worse. Okay, impactful or for emo or definitely had an impact. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So y- Yosuga, I'm not going to talk about Yosuga to Sora, but it's just funny how this, <laughs> I didn't realize this was airing the same season, but Yosuga to Sora, that was incest the fetish show like they were literally twins and the whole premise of the show was like the forbidden Jesus love between them and just like getting really okay. really creepy well i don't remember I, so. I, I doubt i see people talk i see people talking about that show but one of the things yeah. that i think does hold up or emo is that it's i i genuinely really like the character designs like i think they're really cute that's all i'm mm-hmm. gonna say about uh, yeah, that for sure they're Ages notwithstanding, because that is a very sticky issue once you bring that up. <laughs> so I'm going to stop there. I, I, I think it, it, you just, you realize when you talk about stuff like this, Japan is so different with uh, attitudes to things. Um, oh, dude, it, it okay, totally okay, is. Okay, I, th- this, is, this is something I only heard recently, but this is uh, really hmm. fucked up. So the author of, uh, I think it's Samurai something. I can't remember what this series is called. Something about a samurai. Um, he was arrested for... Oh, they might be that. I can't remember. He was arrested uh, because he, he was in possession of child porn. Yeah, yeah, that um, was a really catchy. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, it was about samurai. I was thinking something, something with samurai. Um, but I, I think he was only given a fine or something. Like, like it was a really lax punishment. And he, he's he's serializing manga again now. Like, mm. and I, I think that's also because, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Japan only made it illegal to be in possession of child porn in recent years. I feel like, like I, I heard that. I heard that from someone, but it was like a middle-aged man. So I, it might not it might so not be the best source. One of the on this. things that they're still very okay with, and I kind of had the displeasure of seeing, uh, was that they're still very okay with Lolicon. Uh, yeah, it's really fucked oh, yeah. up. I oh, yeah. were, when we were in Japan and I was in Akiba, I went into a random-ass manga store uh went down to the basement where all the 18 plus stuff was and was like oh that's a lot of titties and then i see just a wall of lolly and i'm like oh okay so okay kyle 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 Uh, place yourself in that situation again and then place your dad right next to you because that's what happened to me when i visited japan why would you take him to a fucking 18 plus area no, because I didn't. I wasn't aware. I didn't know that if you go to the top, because for me it was the top floor of this store. I didn't know top floor, and I didn't oh. notice like it's the big eighteen plus. Oh. Map. But it, yeah, it could. It could have been worse. Like, okay. It could have been worse. You were there with your dad, I and mean, when you looked down, and he's got an erection. That <laughs> 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 is an awkward car ride home. Oh my god! But uh. Yeah, oh, I always I always bring Anyways, the tone of this podcast we're, down we're, so much. We're I'm talking sorry. Talking a lot about Orimo and incest oh, no. and love. Yeah, we we were on that. Yeah, so as far as cultural as far as cultural impact goes, I think Orimo definitely made. Honestly, I would say like after that, the tone got a lot hornier and more degenerate online. At least Ooh, that was like the, so. I, the I, general I would, I would shift say that, along with like, I'd say like other media 
uh, that was also like getting a lot hornier uh, started being really popular around that time. I'd, like when did Senran Kagura first start coming out? Yeah, not too long after that. I, I would say uh, Orimo also uh, it had one of the first like really, really hardcore online ship wars for who the main character should get together oh, God, with. Yeah. And I, I would say that's what really kicked off uh, a lot of that for shows down the line. And so that's kind oh, of what, what stuck around for all this time. It's nice for people to have a hobby, I guess. Oh. Um, if you want to spend your time doing that, like... Right. It trying to encourage a fictional uh, relationship between fictional characters to a relentless degree. And yeah, nice to have a hobby. January 2010, Katana Katari. <laughs> great, great segue. That. Great segue that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. How do I even so show you? Perry does not know. Monogatari. <laughs> Anyways, continue. No, this, this isn't even Mon- Monogatari. This is Katana Katari. Uh, yeah, so where does that fall? Are, like, it does not. Is it, its own it is a completely separate oh, series. Okay. It is not related to the Monogatari series whatsoever. Really? Oh. Um, and yeah, so have you seen Katana Katari? I haven't, no. Okay, all right, okay. So I uh, won't spend too much time on this one, I guess, then. So Katana Katari is it's an anime done by White Fox, first of all. It's not Shaft. And it's about essentially this uh this this female blacksmith and this uh, stylized version of Japan who wants to forge the strongest sword. And she finds out about this uh, deserted island, essentially, where uh, there are these two siblings that they've dedicated their lives to this martial arts where they kind of like, they act out the swords themselves. Like their body is a sword. Essentially, they're just really good at martial arts. And so she's like, that's what the strongest sword is. So she goes out and seeks them and uh, tries to convince the main character, who I forget the name of, to come with him, come with her to prove that he's the strongest sword that she can forge. And he's like, okay, one, why would I do this? And two, how do you forge me? And like the reason she comes up with is like, I'm going to make you fall in love with me. <laughs> and that's going oh, to solve both of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, because one, like that, you'll, uh, you'll want to protect me. And two, like through your love for me, uh, you'll forge yourself to get stronger. And so... Each episode was 50 minutes long. Jesus. And each episode consisted with them going off and showing off, showing, showdowning, showing off. Showdown off. Showdown offing, yeah. <laughs> with uh, some other Master Swordsmen to prove that the main character is a strong sword. Do they sword. fall in love in the and, end? Uh, or is that spoilers? Cannot confirm nor deny okay. this And statement. also, this, that is actually, well, I, that's actually a in big In the spirit spoiler. of the season, I'll be brother and sister. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> Ignore it, ignore it. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> okay. Um, what was really intriguing about how this show aired, and I watched it after it was done airing because of this reason, is that each episode was 50 minutes long, but it was one episode per month. Ooh. Oh. So, huh. And it, it was airing for an entire year. So one episode per month, 12 months, it had 12 episodes, um, which I guess like if you, is the equivalent of 24 normal length episodes, mm. which was... It's still to this day an incredibly strange release schedule that we haven't seen replicated. And I unfortunately can't speak to how well that worked while it was airing, but I can say as a whole, like having those, an entire story self-contained in those one episodes um, and that was felt so well explored and seeing the relationship grow, it it worked really well. And it's still one of my favorite anime of all time to this day. Mm -hmm. It's got a really interesting animation style too, where it's kind of... uh, 
it's it uses these bright colors, but very simplistic. Very simplified geometric shapes to create interesting character designs okay. is how I would describe it. Um, you don't have a whole lot of shading. You don't have those like uh, really intricate anime eyes or uh, designs, mm. but like they get they get creative with how uh, they use color and how they uh, shape a character to make them memorable. Uh, it, it's just there's so much about the show that is okay, unconventional, so and I do wonder if we will see something like it again. I feel like I've seen this on lists that include the Monogatari series. Is this written by Nisio Issen? Or am I it, just, like, imagining this? Uh, so I feel like that was a, mis- a common misconception that it was because of the Gatari yeah. part. Let me... Because I, I know for sure it's not related to Monogatari whatsoever. Right. That is like the big misconception. I don't remember. Okay, it is written by Nisio. Okay, Sanke. okay, okay, okay. So that's why it still gets included in those but lists. It, yeah, but it has no relationship whatsoever to the Monogatari universe. Right, it's its own thing. And right. a lot of people thought that it was animated by Shaft as well because it has that kind of like very avant-garde animation style. But no, it, it's White Fox who's uh, responsible for Steinsgate and so okay. forth. Interesting. Yeah, um, that's what that's all I have to say on that. Impact? I suppose impact uh, again, just the, the very unconventional okay. way it came okay. out and mm-hmm. how its episodes are structured. Uh, I would really love to see if another show could take a stab at that. Uh, we talked previously on an episode about how when uh, Haruhi first aired, it aired out of chronological order, and if we could see another show doing that, and so yeah, I would love to see another show try to take a stab at this. Long, I mean, like Sailor Moon Crystal kind of did, but that's a remake for a show that already existed, so I don't really count that. Yeah, as far um, as like original productions go, yeah. I don't know if I've seen like right. even even in the U.S. I don't think I've seen like uh, any shows that were like the the way that it was consumed was deliberately like part of the viewing experience. Right. Yeah. Because after a while, I could see, I could definitely see it working monthly because each episode is so self contained. I guess also that it, it um, gives the studio more time to work on it. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, like yeah. it basically gives them like like yeah two weeks by twenty five minutes. In a show, yeah, absolute kick ass fights for sure. Yeah, in a show that's about like finding the uh, the strongest sword. Okay, uh, it, it's got a very it's 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 ending is very memorable as well. It's it's not what you expect. You didn't. It is a they very. They do turn out to be ending. brother and sister. <laughs> no, you just can't escape the, he, he, the, the the main guy does have a sister already. Oh well, but um, yeah, but she stays on the island. I'm having to bite my tongue to make so many like I keep wanting to make so many stupid jokes, but I don't want to derail the episode any further. <laughs> so that like, I'm biting my All right. tongue. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had prepared a whole list of shows up through 2012 in case we, but like we're not even going to get past 2010. So I'm just going to wrap this up now by going uh, shotgun across other shows that probably aren't worth talking about in depth but like are still pretty prominent and again impactful for better or worse with the first off being high school of the dead worse uh, summer 2010 I've seen a bit of that uh yeah so the high school of the dead was kind of the show that put i wouldn't say put madhouse on the map but maybe aware of madhouse as a studio and so i just associated them with just super over the top fan service which sometimes they do but that's not all their Oh, they are, but man, that that sure was yeah, a show that like, people w- took calculations. Annoyingly, it was actually mm-hmm. it was one of the first anime series I saw. 
because um, obviously I, oh, I, it's probably as I, I, I didn't yeah. really know much I, just, I was just like oh zombies and, and people fighting zombies cool oh, zombies. Sounds, sounds good <laughs> and, and I, the opening's really catchy as well like, the opening music's really catchy so I thought oh it seems all good but then obviously like I was like oh this is a bit sexual and a bit, a bit weird so like yeah some hypersonic yeah it's a bit weird um, so not not the best of, of, uh, of anime yeah but left an impact yeah. <laughs> for sure yeah I think that was um, like the thing for me was like I honestly got turned off by it like I okay so I, yeah. I, I like cute anime girls and stuff like that but I fan service just doesn't do it for me I feel like your yeah. new catchphrase should be I like cute anime girls because <laughs> you said I mean, it lots I do <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna like dance around that fact yeah but, yeah, you that's, should that's uh, all... ch- change but also change the Xbox social media handle. It's like I like cute anime girls. <laughs> I, I, have, I mean, I've <laughs> talked about cute anime girls on the Xbox handle. Yeah. Ah. What also has cute anime girls is working. Oh, I love working. 2010. That started oh, then as I well. Love yeah. I, I I wouldn't say that was a super impactful one, but it was popular uh, and it's I, still people think about uh, it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I really like working. Working is. I, I do too. Honestly, um, especially going back to your earlier point with uh Durara, that had so much fucking slapstick and it mm-hmm. like it it was a 2010 yeah. show but it feels like it was like made in 2003 um it's just like mm-hmm. it, it's not really a harem um but it's i mean it's a workplace comedy but everything's like so over the top and it's so it's so simple and straightforward right uh there's not a whole and lot it's of got it's got hints of relatability here and yeah there as well. and it's just really cute and it's just such an it's such an innocent kind of comedy that it, that's a honestly, good way it's still it, like innocent, really yeah. endearing um and yeah I, i've been wanting to rewatch it here it's, it's really it, I, I mean I, I watched it for the first time i think like actually when i was getting back into anime that was like the show that i watched or picked up after dragon maid um, and I'd say it gives like this. Mm-hmm. It, I I I don't think it's as endearing or even like character driven or has as good characters as Dragon Maid. But working uh, is still a very cute show. Still it, cozy. It's still a very cozy show. Um, but yeah. I'd say like I've ever since watching Working and finishing it, I've just been waiting for A One to make another series like it, and they haven't. Blend us. Mm-hmm. I wanted Blendus <laughs> to be working. Nope. Blendus is kind nope. of bad because it it shifts it's, its focus it's to fan service um, instead of like making it about the characters. Uh, I, I kind of hate the characters in Blendus because they're just cardboard like archetypes or tropes. But but mm-hmm. I I think uh, Brent from the site liked it so. As a different opinion, maybe read Brent's review on Goomba stuff. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not bashing Brent. Brent, Brent, Brent's uh, got some good taste in cute slice of life stuff and rom com stuff, and I think there's a lot to like with Blendess. But when you're putting like, I maybe I'd like Blendess if I hadn't seen Working, but Working, uh, I don't yeah, think I would have liked. It. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, you know. Give it some benefit of the doubt, but suffice to say that working is just, if you were to like look up slice of life rom-com in a, in an anime dictionary somewhere, that would be one of the examples that it cites. It is so textbook that it's endearing. What's not endearing and is still very over the top is 
Panty and stocking with garter belt, October 2010 fall. That happened. That was a 2010 show. That was like a giant middle finger to the anime format and style. Harry, talking about like enjoying Animaniacs and knowing the kinds of shows you like, I think you'd enjoy Panty and stocking. What what is it? Hit me. Wait, wait, you love Kill a Kill. You'd love Panty and stocking. Yes, I, I adore Kill a Kill. Okay, panty no, and stocking. What, what is, what's it? Yeah. Explain it. Uh, 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 <laughs> I, I, I don't think we need to explain it. I think this is just one of those shows that you just have to experience. Okay. Is it on Crunch? And watch the dub, preferably. The dub oh, is really? very good. Yeah, it, it, it is yeah. a really good dub. So the dub is the dub is actually it, it actually enhances it. In this case. Um, is it is it on Crunchyroll or Netflix? So or... it's on Funimation. I yeah. I'll try and find it then. I don't have a. It might be on Netflix though. Okay, uh, but I'll, Harry, I'll, I'll to, to give it, you right. like to to sell you on it, um, it is made by a lot of the same team that founded Trigger. Right. Uh, okay. And mm-hmm. y- if you watch Panty and Stocking, you will immediately tell that these are the people that made Kill a Kill and Little Witch Academia. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. But particularly with Panty and Stocking, it is. Uh, not aping, but it is like its whole style and aesthetic is around American cartoons. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'll uh, check it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm intrigued. So it, it's the same kind of uh, over the top slapstick that you'll get from Animaniacs or Looney Tunes, but with. Uh, it, it, I, honestly, like imagine like Kill a Kills kind of like over the top and hype moments, but as if the Powerpuff Girls animators took a crack at it. Right. So, sounds yeah. good. I, I'm intrigued. I'll check it out. Yeah. It's really good. All I'd say is that the ending, yeah. people are still waiting for <laughs> a satisfying conclusion because the ending was not satisfying. Oh, uh, okay. That that kind oh. of broke the internet when it happened. Yeah. Right, well, I'll check it out regardless. Yeah. How many it's, it's still good. It? It's still a good one. How many episodes is it? Twiddle. Ah, short and sweet. Yeah, it's a single yeah I'll check it out. So this next one, I wouldn't say it was impactful, but I've watched a recent. I would say it's an important show. Would be Princess Jellyfish, which that, I'm not sure if either of you have heard. Is that the ballet? No. no, that's Princess Jeez, Tutu. Okay, well, never mind. Yeah. So uh, Princess Jellyfish. Uh, it's it's a very important show because it it emphasizes the importance of both inner and outer beauty. How like uh, we always tell like yes. Inner beauty is absolutely important as well, but it also says like, but like caring about like taking care of yourself wouldn't hurt too, and it does that in such a way that it doesn't, it's not demeaning mm. or um, like shaming people for how they look either. It's just kind of a yeah, both both are equ- not equally important, but both are important. I was just very, I was very impressed with the delicacy mm. that it handles. It's more so, it's like more so just saying to people look after yourself and and be the best version of yourself you can be rather than sh- shaming yeah, yeah. someone for something they're struggling with. Yeah, I would say that's yeah. what uh, that's what it is. Uh, the, the basic premise is that there's this very uh, demure girl who's very gloomy and uh, doesn't, very socially awkward. And she runs into a guy who likes cross-dressing and he's very flamboyant and very out, out, uh, outgoing and very extroverted. And he kind of like gradually pulls her out of her shell. And it's just a very... It's a very touching and heartwarming mm, little show cool. with a nice message behind it. Uh, finally, uh, is Angel Beats, which I know is very divisive, oh, but is also like one of the most uh, 
impactful shows for me personally. It's probably what really set me on the path to uh, enjoy anime and consume anime on a weekly format. I, I, I watched the first episode of Angel Beats uh, maybe about a month ago, but I wasn't particularly mm-hmm. grabbed by it. What Would you recommend it or is it not the best? Yeah, so I for me, it's in the top five anime. Of oh, all really? Time. Really? It's, yeah, it's, oh. it, it does such a great job of just portraying the raw emotion of just the unfairness of life sometimes and how frustrating that can be and how sometimes that's just something you have to accept. Um, but it does it in such a, a beautiful manner as well that you just, it, it hits home in ways that you don't expect. It's main complaint that a lot of people leverage against it. And I do agree with it is that it, it does rush the ending. Mm. Uh, and a lot of people don't enjoy that. For, for me, I feel like it wasn't that big of a deal. I still managed to get a lot out of the ending and I still cried like a little bitch <laughs> at the ending. But it, it absolutely didn't invalidate all the stories that led up to it, I felt like. Um, another complaint was that it didn't give attention to many of its characters, which I didn't see much of a downside. It's just like in real life, how you're not always going to get to know every single person in your life at, at like a deep level. Um, but yeah, it, it, it gets in and gets out, um, what it needs. It's very impressive with how much they accomplished in a simple 12 episodes. And I just feel like it, 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 it touches on a lot of relatable, frustrating aspects of life Mm. that you may or may not have suppressed. Ah, so, so is that your anime recommendation for today? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure let's make that my anime <laughs> recommendation in our closing i'm going first this time i'm matthew pontier <laughs> uh that that does bring us to a wrap of 2010 though and uh like i said i had a whole list of 2011 2012 as well but that is a wrap for this show we, we should we perhaps, come back to those. perhaps do more next episode honestly i'd be down to do more of these uh just yeah. because it's interesting to look yeah. back and like see where the industry yeah. has been and where we are now Absolutely. Yeah. I want to do more as well. I feel like uh, after next episode, we'll probably have like a year end review of this current year. And then we'll have the anime awards coming up as well that we'll have to cover. But yeah, I, I do enjoy looking back on this and giving appreciation to what have we watched and why it's still important now. Mm. So yeah, absolutely. I can just put this list on the back burner. But oh boy, it was 2011 a year. I I was sweating what I was putting the list together for 2011. Oh. You can take some guesses of what's there. Exciting but cliffhanger to be continued. Yeah, exactly. The little preview, preview for next episode. Yeah. All righty. So that will, does bring us to a wrap for this episode. I'm not even going to ask where I can find you two anymore because you can't really <laughs> anymore except on Goomba Stomp occasionally. But Harry, what do you want to plug for this episode? A music piece uh, or you're n- normally a music guy, but you can plug whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, um... I'll, perhaps it's a safe bet. I mentioned it earlier, but uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, I'll just throw that out there. Great show. Check it out. Uh, really, really enjoyable. So that is my anime recommendation. Uh, oh, video game recommendation. I'm just completing my second playthrough of Near Automata. And oh, nice. uh, I, I'm, I'm reminded of what a great game it is. So if you want a good game to check out, but, uh, it is, it's very much Japanese and very much uh, anime inspired, then Near Automata is uh, worth checking. Do you want to plug the uh, the collaborative list you just put so much effort? Yes, in yes, a good list. idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so myself and then some other writers for Goomba Stomp put together a collaborative list of our favorite video game music, and um, 
yeah, that was like ongoing for like a month. So it was quite a while, but uh, we got it all together. We got out. So uh, gone Goomba Stomp. I, I think, so it was only published like a couple of days ago, but it says it was published a while back. I'm not sure if that's a glitch or whatever, but yeah, just maybe put in like Goomba Stomp top soundtracks or top video game songs. It should hopefully come up on Google. So yeah, check it out. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I still have to read it also now that the website is Yeah, yeah, we've had some technical issues behind the scenes. Yeah. All right, Kyle, what about you? Oh, uh, watch Oriemo. No, don't, don't, don't watch Oriemo. <laughs> I can't in good conscience recommend that show to anybody. Um, I guess what I can also not recommend really is I just pin. Well, I, yeah, I just finished Persona 4 and I'm really not a fan of Persona. Um... Oh, controversial. Uh, controversial, I know. Kyle, Kyle, um, Kyle, what have you been live blogging to me about your reactions recently? Yeah, there's Higurashi. I like Higurashi. Well, not Higurashi. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Uh, Trails of Cold Steel. <laughs> um, that's a that's a really good fucking JRPG. And it's been a while since I've played a really good <laughs> JRPG. Uh, it holds up surprisingly sure well. Uh, the The visuals... It are slightly dated, <laughs> but the writing and gameplay like are still a high fucking quality. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I, I'd say also play Hades. Hades is very fun. I love roguelikes. I fucking mm-hmm. love roguelikes. Hades is one of the best roguelikes I've ever played. Uh, it's not. A I, I have a I have Spiritfarer on my playlist right Spirit now. Spiritfarer is so good. Too. Yeah, so, so I bought it the other day because I'd heard really good things about it. And um, so when I finish Neil Automata, I'm going to go to that. But yeah, would you recommend that as well? Yeah, I would also, I've been also, yeah. after finishing finally like all of the games I have in my backlog, or most of them um, that I was currently playing, I'm now like diving into games I've uh, kind of put on the back burner. And Spirit Fair is one of them. It's just such a comfy, wholesome, positive experience. I'd honestly mm. say it's like we're kind of talking about like Princess Jellyfish. Really. This is like self care, the game. Yeah. And it's really, it's mm. a positive game. It's just very good. A very good game for right. 2020. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I haven't even played either of them, and I would recommend <laughs> both of those games just from mm. what I know about awesome. them. They're very cute. All right. And I am Matthew Pontier. You can find me at Musing Mojack on Twitter. And as always, I'm the anime editor. Or Goomba Stomp. Haven't published anything recently on that for that, but I do. I, I've been tossing around this idea in my head of like best episode one twists in mm. anime. Oh, that's those are rare and also okay. really cool. Uh, because I had a talentless, talentless Nana on the mind, how it does it has that episode one twist. Uh, Sora No Toes episode one twist. Uh, School Lives episode one twist. So yeah. The only thing just, that's, uh, the only thing like that's difficult cool. about writing that article is but is that we can't actually mention what the twist is. Yeah. It's like, a like, spoiler. Yeah. So, so unless unless yeah, we do say at the start of the article, this is a spoiler article. Yeah. Um which some people don't mind spoilers, yeah. but yeah. It, it would have to have spoilers mm-hmm. in it. But yeah, that's just something that I've been tossing around in my head that you could look forward to in the near future, probably. We're also going to be putting together our best anime of the year list pretty soon. So look forward to that before the end of the year. Uh, Yeah, Kyle and Harry pushed me into pushing Angel Beats. It is definitely one of the most important shows for me personally. I totally understand all of the criticisms people leverage against it. It is absolutely a polarizing show. But for me personally, it is a very, very 
uh, important show for me during my formative years, I would say, that has st stuck with me all this time. And I'm very curious to see how The Day I Became God turns out that's airing right now, because it's kind of the continuation of that collaboration between June Maida and uh, PA Works. So I hope it reaches the same levels of Angel Beats. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. We'll find out at the end of the season. Mm. But that's a wrap. So thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye. Ciao. Wow. Mm -hmm.